In the holy name of Jesus, amen. It's been a busy year for all of us, so just like you, John the Baptizer would like to have a quiet Christmas. After all, as a prophet, quiet comes naturally to him. He lives alone in the wilderness, somewhere between the locusts and the wild honey and the scrub and the sand, where the only other voice belongs to God. But like you, John the Baptizer is feeling the press of the season. And lately, John has been so poked and prodded that he is now out loudly among the Advent crowds with a sermon that many of them and perhaps even many of you will find disquieting. Repent and be baptized because the kingdom of God is at hand. Hardly anybody tells anybody to repent anymore. So if John wants a quiet Christmas, why this sort of faux pas and why now? The truth is that John the baptizer cannot help it. It is there in a very literal reading of Luke chapter 3, verse 2. The word of God happened to John. And when the word of God happens to a man, every last thing is different. Like you, I know there is a tenor in John's voice that can be off-putting. Vipers and wrath, and do not presume to say to yourselves that you are sons of Abraham. Stones and axe and root and tree and chop and fire. That is a difficult sermon for the most willing ears to hear, and it certainly can choke close any ears that are unwilling. But consider the alternative. The only thing worse than no silence is a false silence. After all, as you know, the first rule of a dysfunctional family is never say what's on your mind. John's world certainly was dysfunctional. Tiberius Caesar was an imperialist, and Pilate was a thug. Herod and Philip were tyrants, and Annas and Caiaphas were crooked. And faithful folk like Zechariah and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary were always in danger of being crushed underfoot. And none of that was going to fix itself, not then and not now. We've all been in situations like that where things have gotten so bad we have wished that our troubles and even our sins would just go away. But they don't because they can't. Evil is a real, powerful, and enduring thing. And when we touch it, we give it incarnation. We give it life. We give it flesh and blood. And it becomes our sin. And our sin stays to punish us until it is undone. The wages of sin, after all, really are death, and sin plus death can ruin any hope that we might have for a quiet Christmas, unless something changes. It was C.S. Lewis who said that most Christians are too easily satisfied. We are too willing to pretend, too willing to stop short, 
too willing to look the other way, too willing to live in some sort of dysfunctional detente with our sins. Rather than admitting that sometimes there cannot be birth until there is death, and there cannot be something new until what is old has been destroyed. And when it comes to sin, the only way out is change. That metanoia that John speaks about, the only way out is repentance. So with John in the neighborhood, what are your chances for a quiet Christmas? They're actually pretty good. It turns out that the baptizer really does have a softer side because the change he brings is love. If you and I insist on taking Tiberius and Pilate and Herod and Philip and Annas and Caiaphas as our guides in the way of power and pressure and pretending and treading each other underfoot, then vipers in wrath and don't begin to say to yourselves that we are sons of Abraham and stones and axe and root and tree and chop and fire will be the last word. But certainly you noticed in the gospel for today that there are crowds of people splashing in the water. That they have heard repent and be baptized because the kingdom of God is at hand as the change they've always been waiting for as the chance for sin to be undone and for evil to be sent packing. They have heard it as forgiveness and fix and salvation and fresh start, as gospel, as life after death, as love incarnate in the flesh of Jesus. I do believe that the word of God happened to them as well. And if it could only happen to all of you. But of course it's Advent, so it can, it does, it has, and it will. This is Christmas, and sooner than Christmas, this will be the Eucharist. Christ present changes everything. Christ in the flesh, Christ confessed in repentance, Christ received in forgiveness. Christ who kills and sweeps away the evil that we have touched and brought to life among us. Christ who then brings us life again in love. Christ present changes everything. Once the word of God in flesh has happened to us as well, then the only thing left to do is to keep the peace and the quiet. It's easy, says John, Avoid evil and live mercy. So give your extra coat to somebody who is cold and your extra food to the poor. Be honest at work. Don't lie or cheat or steal. And don't try to muscle folks around, either in the world or in the church. Be content with what you've got. And then, having done your best and having had your best forgiven, Go forward and live in the confidence that our Lord will sort out the balance. That the winnowing fork is in his hand 
and that someday he will come back and he will clear his threshing floor. Wheat to the barn, chaff to the fire, everything squared up in justice and mercy, perfectly done as only the Lord can do. So you can go and you can sleep well tonight, quietly in Advent, but with Christmas on the way, knowing that someday Eden will indeed come again, and in fact is already here, because Christ has happened here again this morning, and he is about to happen once again for all of you in his Holy Supper. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen.